Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa. Well, gather round. We have another lesson from the written word, which reveals to us the living word, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. If you will remember last week, we talked about presuppositions. And we as Christian folks have presuppositions that are based upon the written word and the living word. And it's our faith in these that enables us to have a confidence that God is, that He is the creator of all things that are, and that He is ultimately the judge of the living and the dead, that there is a day of accountability. Well, our presuppositions affect our perspective in life. And what I would like to talk about today is an eternal perspective. Now, let's let's define the word perspective. The, de- the definition in a dictionary says outlook or viewpoint. Perspective is really your and my ability to view the whole of life from an objective standpoint and to assign appropriate importance to the immediate versus the ultimate. To me, that means it's the ability to look at myself and my life from God's point of view. The challenge is for you and me to develop a perspective with an eternal focus. Now, what, what does that word focus mean? Well, have you ever stood at your, your back window just at dusk and you're looking outside with the, wind, with the lights on in your house? Well, if you focus on the glass, it acts like a mirror and the light in the house will reflect your image in the window. You're focusing on the glass and it acts like a mirror. But if it's not totally dark outside, you can shift your focus through the glass and you can see outside into the distance. You see, that's called perspective. You can focus on that which is near your image in the glass or you can focus into the distance. Now, painters understand that. When they paint a picture, the people in the foreground are large. The people in the distance are small. That's called perspective. The writers of Scripture understood that. In Romans, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 18, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church. They were experiencing lots of persecution. And he said to them, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he was challenging them to develop a focus on the things that are eternal, not temporary to develop an eternal perspective. So why is it important for you and me as Christian folks to have an eternal perspective? 
Well, in Proverbs 23 and verse 7, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, my perspective, the way I think, the way I look at life determines how I live my life. It also enables me to make wise decisions. It helps me to discern God's will for my life. Having an eternal perspective facilitates the establishment of personal priorities, which we'll talk about more in a couple of weeks. It helps me to avoid squandering my life. Now, let's talk about a couple of scriptural examples. You remember Moses. We talked about Moses last week, and we talked about why he was willing to reject the the temporary pleasures of sin in Pharaoh's court, choosing rather to suffer with the children of Israel in the wilderness because he was what? You remember? He was looking to the reward. (laughs) Moses had an eternal perspective, a long-range view, not just of this life, but of the life to come. He was willing to die to himself and submit to persecution with the children of Israel in the wilderness because he was looking to the reward. Well, who's a negative example? Well, think about Esau. He sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. That was short-sighted. He lacked a long-range view of life. So there's a correct perspective on life. I call it a divine perspective. All of us are bothered by the brevity and uncertainty of life. You see, the psalmist, well, think about in 1 Samuel where David told Jonathan, his friend, he said, You know that there is but a step between me and death. And uh, more than that, we all know that, that James said that our life is just a vapor, a passing evanescent vapor. And then the psalmist in Psalms 90, he said, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may present to thee a heart of wisdom because he knew that life was short, like, like the grass that grows up overnight on the rooftop. And then when the sun comes up, it is scorched and it passes away. It's like a flower in the field that grows up quickly. And then when the wind blows on it, it dies and it's gone. Our lives are as brief and, and ephemeral as the flower in the field. That's a perspective that you and I must cultivate about the brevity and uncertainty of life. And listen, I'm a physician. I deal with families who lose their family members to automobile accidents and sickness and disease. And and I help them to, to work through their grieving process when they lose their family members way too early. We're bothered by young children who die young, by our family members who die young, but yet we marvel at those who live to be in their 90s. (laughs) My mother-in-law is 99 and a half years old. One of the men that I go on mission trip with in Mexico is 92 years old, and he's strong, and he's healthy, and he's mentally alert, and he's charging forward for the kingdom of God every day. We're inspired by immortality, but we're bothered by brevity. You remember Ponce de Leon. He was the Spanish conquistador who, who, who searched all over Florida because he thought there was a fountain of youth. He was inspired 
by immortality. Now, he never found what he was looking for, but there are people today who are still doing things like that. There's a billionaire in California now who injects his son's plasma into his body in the search for longevity and immortality. You see, every man gives his life in exchange for something. What are you giving your life in exchange for? I remember many years ago, I read a book about discipleship. And the author of the book told a story about being interviewed right out of college by an import-export business. And they imported bananas from South America. And they wined and dined him for a whole weekend, and they showed him their offices and all their big ships that brought bananas from South America. And at the end of the weekend, they offered him an employment package. And at the very end, they looked at him and said, all of this can be yours but you must understand that we expect you to give your life in exchange for our bananas. <laughs> and he looked at them, and without any thought, he turned them down flat. And they were shocked. And they said, why? And he said, sirs, I can never give my life in exchange for bananas. God has called me to much higher things than bananas. He said, God has called me to give my life in exchange for the souls of men and for the word of God. And he left them and he went on to help found an organization called The Navigators, an organization that's committed to discipling college, college students and men and women in the military. And that was a fascinating story and it's always challenged me. What are you giving your life in exchange for. You see, that's a perspective that every one of us must have. You know, there's only two things that are eternal. the God and His Word and the souls of men. It makes sense to me that I would invest my life in the things that would net for me an eternal dividend. I want to invest my life in the Word of God and in the souls of men, just like the author of that discipleship book. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what is done for Christ will last. There are rewards to be had in this life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 10, the Bible says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now this is Paul talking to the Christians in Corinth. By extension, this applies to you and me as well. For we must all before the appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That's the Bema, B-E-M-A. That stands for the rewarding stand. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed, rewarded for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 expound, expands on this so that we understand that every one of us will be given rewards as Christian folks at the Bema. And the Bible says that our rewards will be wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones. And the Bible tells us that the wood, hay, and stubble will be tested by fire, and that the wood, hay, and stubble will be burned. The gold, silver, and precious stones will be preserved. So what, what determines the quality of our work? Now, I've pondered this for a long time, and I believe it's this. That which is 
gold, silver, and precious stones are the things that you and I do with the proper motivation. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether then you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. The things that we do for the glory of God are the things that will be gold, silver, and precious stones. And the things that we do in the proper energy, that means the, the power of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. You see, you and I as Christians can do things in the energy of the flesh, and that'll be wood, hay, and stubble, and it'll burn in the fire of judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. But there are things that we do in the power of the Spirit, not trusting in our own power, our own flesh, and that will be gold, silver, and precious stones. And lastly, the things that we do with the proper attitude. You see, Paul told the Corinthians that he was compelled by the love of Christ. That's what pushed him along day by day, serving other Christians, preaching the word, compelled by the love of Christ. You see, when we serve others in the wrong attitude, it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. But when we serve others with the love of Christ compelling us. That'll be gold, silver, and precious stones. Now, let me ask you a question. When you go through the judgment seat of Christ and the deeds that you've done in the body turn to gold, silver, and precious stones, you're going to be in heaven. The streets are paved with gold. The city gate is, is a giant pearl. What are you going to do with gold and silver and precious stones in heaven, my brothers and sisters? You've got no need of that, I'll tell you. You're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> You're going to lay them at the feet of Jesus. But you don't want to have a pile of ashes. You don't want all of your works to turn to, to dust and, and ashes. So be careful. Have an eternal perspective. Understand that everything that you and I do in the body will one day be tested by fire at the Bema, at the judgment seat of Christ. Don't have a perspective that is lacking. Understand clearly that every one of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Everything that we've ever said or done or thought will be judged at the judgment seat. Will it turn to ashes or will it be gold and silver and precious stones? So all of this begs the question, how do I develop an eternal perspective? Well, we must acquire the mind of Christ. How do I do that? Well, you already know the answer. It's by immersing myself in the Word of God and in prayer. And I have to reprogram my thinking. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, it says, Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, I can only do that. You can only do that by abiding in the Word and in prayer. And that reprograms my thinking so that I don't think like the world, but I think the thoughts of God. Now, again, I'm going to tell you this quote. I've shared it with you before, and I want to conclude with this. Live life to the hilt for the glory of God, so that when it comes time to die, all you have left to do is to die. That's the perspective, brothers and sisters, that you and I must cultivate in our hearts Live life to the hilt for the glory of God so that when it comes time to die, all you have left to do is to die. 
You're listening to Devotions with Dr. Papa. I hope you enjoy, and if you do, follow it, like it, or share it. And may God bless you real good. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.